we are gathered here today to bring together the wedding community. Whether you are a seasoned pro, a newbie planning to start your own wedding business, or an engaged couple hoping to see behind the scenes, we're here to share tips, tricks, and laughs with you as we talk weddings. The Union Podcast is a show that aims to build a community for those in the wedding planning trenches. Join Jamie Wolfer, Heather Laurie Fear, and special guests in roundtable discussions about the challenges and joys of the wedding business. And now, here come your hosts, Jamie and Heather. This week's episode, we are we are doing a Q&A, folks. This, I cannot believe we've made it an entire year and we have not done a Q&A yet. How did we make it this long? I don't know, but I do know this is the first time we realized how many questions you guys were submitting. So we figured <laughs> maybe they want answers. <laughs> We should have done this like six months ago, but still there's like a whole gaggle of questions here, which excites us to no end, of course, but also makes us feel super bad because we've been neglecting you for like 12 plus months. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, but we're going to dive into these questions today and we kind of picked a theme for what we're going to focus on. Mm -hmm. These are all questions about really getting your business started and things you're going to need how to deal with some of the the first steps in the process of getting your wedding business going. Yep, absolutely. Because that's honestly a stumbling block for so many people is it sounds so scary. I don't know how to do this. I don't know what I need. When in actuality, it could be like a 90 second response from someone who's done it before. And you're like, oh, okay. So it's, it's not that scary then. And I can, I can tell you with full surety, most of the things on this list were like, these are not that big of a deal. They feel scary, but they're not. So we're happy to walk you through them. Because I can, I can tell you some of these things scared me before too. So yeah, <laughs> let's get you out of that rut, get you moving on with your business and answer some of the questions you guys are dying to know. All right. Shall we start with what are the three things you absolutely need to have to start your business? Oh, a separate account. Yes. Bank account. bank account. Yes. Separate bank account. Absolutely do that. Do not mix it in with your personal account. Uh, finances. Go listen to the episode we did with Matt from CapForge. And he really breaks down and simplifies accounting. So don't be scared by that, but definitely have it as a separate account. You will thank yourself later. What do you think's next? I would say a website or Instagram account. I think you could get by with just an Instagram account at this current day and age. Yeah. I think you need some sort of online presence, um, a social proof that you exist, that you are contributing, that you can be tracked and that you're not a ghost on the internet. Yeah. The third thing I would say is a clear idea of your offerings, your packages, and basically for you to take the time to focus on on what you're going to offer. Because if you jump into this without that, you're going to run into some problems. You're going to have some boundary issues and some confusion over what you do, what you don't do. And, and at first you may not know, so that's okay. But really you should jump in at least with an idea of where you're intending to go. Cause otherwise it's going to be really hard to make sure you're bringing on a client that actually, you know, works with what you want. Yeah. Yeah. And I think hand in hand with that goes your why, what's your why? Like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this and what will you do and not do? All three of those go perfectly hand in hand because your why is going to be what inspires everything and keeps you going. And what you will and will not do is going to be the thing that helps you set boundaries and become a really clear communicator as a planner. So I think once you have those three, separate bank account, some sort of social media presence, online presence, web presence, and who you are, what you will do and what you will not do. 
I'm holding up my fingers in one, two, three, as if you can see me. You can't. Just trust me. They're there. If you have those three things, you are set up for success. Yeah. And what is notably not on the list is going and opening a legal entity. Yep. A separate business. That is not there, you guys, because if you're just getting started in this, you can be a sole prop, a sole proprietor, which just means you're running that through your own social security number as far as how the IRS tracks things and tries to, you know, get their fingers on your money, which is what they like to do. So (laughs) that is, um, that is what you would do to start out. Once you start actually racking in some cash again, that episode with the cat forge with Matt. Okay. I'm like, did I mix his name up? No, that is Matt. And he did talk a lot about all the details on where to go when you actually start having some big time cash come in. Yeah. And, and full disclosure, I didn't become an LLC until like last year. Mm-hmm. So right now we're filming this in 2021. I, I dream of people listening to this episode like four years from now. So just to provide some perspective, I didn't get it until 2020, which is like a great year to incorporate. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah. So we survived years with me as a sole proprietor. It, yeah. it wasn't scary. It wasn't complicated. Just it was what it was. And it wasn't until we started earning um, a little bit more that I was like, maybe we should be a an LLC at this point. Yeah. There are some tax advantages, but it's definitely not something you need out of the gate. And I guess this goes right into the question of how do you get an LLC and how much is it usually? This is a great question. Again, not necessary out of the gate. So if you're listening and you're like a little further into having your business, you're making some decent money, or maybe there's some reason for tax purposes that you really want to get this LLC out of the way. It's not a bad idea. You get to protect yourself from some liability issues there. So it's not a bad idea. It's just not necessary. Yeah. Um, But to get one started is really simple. We actually just set up a new corporation recently for some of the business stuff we're doing together. Yeah. So I can tell you, it's very fresh in my mind. There are plenty of websites that can help you through the process. There's LegalZoom is one of them that's really popular. We used active filings and they handled basically all the paperwork with the state to get everything set up. Then once you get all of the paperwork back from them that you're an LLC, you then go and you have to get what's called an EIN. I think it's an employer ID number, um, which is basically the, what would be equivalent to a social security number for your company created with the IRS. And on the IRS website, you can do that for free. So really easy to get the EIN. Um, as far as getting the paperwork done with the state through active filings, it was, it was under around 300 bucks, I want to say. LegalZoom, I think, was slightly more. And they have packages where they're like, oh, we'll give you a special stamp. We'll give you an emblem and these binder for your corporate meetings and stuff like that. You probably don't need any of that. I mean, if it makes you feel special, sure, go go for it. But you literally just need the paperwork drawn up. And I'm sure you could even do it yourself because Basically, you outlining the structure of your company is the summary of what the process is, but they're just using a template and then they're submitting it on your behalf and paying the state fee. As far as how much it's going to cost, that's going to vary depending on the state too. So there's like the fee for someone like Active Filings doing it for you. Um, We incorporated in Texas since that's where Jamie is based. And so that's where the company is based. But if you were doing this, let's say in California where I am, it would have been quite a bit more expensive because the state fee for just having an LLC exist here is $800 a year. So that would yeah. be tacked on top, which is part of why we did it there. Although the first year is waived. Right. Yeah. The first year is waived, which is great, which kind of sucks because we did it in California. And then all of a sudden my family's like, let's move my family. I make it sound like I have no ownership <laughs> in it. 
But we did incorporate in California, then had to dissolve and reopen. That's what I use CapForge for. So yes, they're my accounting company, but they also do you know the bookkeeping, but they give small business advice and help with that kind of stuff. So when I incorporated Wolfer and Company, it was with them. So they were able to put it together in California, then dissolve it and put it back together in Texas. Mm-hmm. Some of this stuff can feel extremely, extremely expensive, complicated. It, it can feel that way, but it doesn't have to be that way. So just yeah. to kind of remove some of that stressor out of the way, and then to think, and then to know that for the first year it'll be free or that fee is waived is very helpful. So take everything and weigh it back and forth and see if it is time to make that step for yourself. You do not have to. Like Heather and I will harp on this all the time. You do not have to be a corporation to be a real business. So don't feel like you have to make that step or take on that expense if you do not have the funds to substantiate that yet because nobody cares. Nobody cares. It's just for you behind the scenes tax wise and when your company starts to grow. Yeah. The more important stuff is getting like your local business license, which you can do Mm -hmm. regardless. And that's just it, like your county office or city office, depending where you're located. So don't stress over this LLC thing, but there is a little summary for you guys. If you you're ready for it, go for it. Ooh, this one wedding expos. Ooh, yes. Yes. I love hate wedding expos. They feel like a cattle call you will be talking the entire day. Now, me as an extrovert, I leave. My throat hurts, but I'm on a high. I'm like, mm-hmm. this was so I met so many people. As an introvert, that may be your worst nightmare is having to sell yourself to hawk your wares at unsuspecting victims as, as they go by. We could probably do a full episode on wedding expos. I really yeah. do feel like there's so much that we can unpack into this. But the questions here were, um, there's three of them. One, what are things that you'd make sure to include in your booth? Two, what useful items are best to hand out? And three, what are things you would want to tell slash talk about with potential clients? So I'll start with the first one. What are things you'd make sure to include in your booth? Your name in big, bold, clear letters. Mm -hmm. They need to know who you are when they're standing 15 feet away. And ideally, it would not be the sign that's provided by the expo themselves because it will be run of the mill. You will blend in with everybody else. You need to have a big, bold sign so immediately people know who you are, just immediately. Even if they've never met you before, they can read it. Um, Make sure it's not too scripty. It's nice, clean font. I would also say decorating your booth is important. I think that having a very plain booth, people will just skip right on by you because it looks like you're just not visually invested. I think that's important as well. And then the last thing would be some sort of literature. Mm -hmm. I think literature is very important. One, it's something for you to hold on to when you're feeling awkward with your hands talking with new people. It's something for you to point at. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm currently pointing as if you can see me as well. It's something for you to point at and be like, this package is this, this package is this. And so it can draw their eye to something, help you to feel more confident. It may get lost in the shuffle of things that end up in their bridal bag that they brought with them to this event, but at least you have something there that's tangible for them to take home with them. Um, Yeah. So secondary to that, what do you think would be some of the best items to hand out? Because like, obviously I just showed why that would be a good idea to have some for you emotionally, but what do you think are some of the best ones? I, from the experience I have, I've been at a lot of expos, you guys, but not a wedding expo. Like as far as working a booth, like I've been at a bajillion food expos because that was the industry that I was in before this doing event marketing in food, which is weird, but is what I did. (laughs) So, um, in that space, you gave out food. Like that is what you did to bring people to your booth. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea. I know with the food handling regulations, it depends on the place you live. California is pretty stringent on this. You have to not have something that you like baked yourself, for example, but having something there that's going to draw people in, I think is a bonus too. What are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah. I think most people are going to want a business card. Oh yeah. Well, these businessy sort of things for sure. Yeah. Most people are going to want one. Mm -hmm. They will probably lose it within an hour to 24 hours of leaving the space, but they're going to want one to to show that you're professional. I think adding that extra step, that extra flavor, that extra something, it could be in the form of food. I do know that some bridal expos, I'll add this layer onto it because you may not know this. They do not allow you to give out food unless you are a food vendor. Yeah. So it might have to be something that meets the guidelines of the expo, but it could be something like that, like some sort of giveaway goodie. And I know a lot of them do a contest of some sort to get people to give them info. So something that's going to sweeten the pot to make it where the person comes to talk to you. And I put like a big sign up with whatever info, whatever you're giving away and whatever you land on that makes sense for your business to bring people over. And I would imagine the reason they have that restriction is the food handler license. Because if you're a baker, you would have like a certified kitchen to cook in where like if you're a wedding planner and you just make some cupcakes at home and bring them, it could be sketchy. Right. Um, But could be delicious. Sorry. I totally just heard it because I got excited. (laughs) Let's Let's touch on that giveaway bonus thing for a second. Because this is a powerful tool that I'm so glad that Dave with Amari Productions, we've had him on the show before, told me about before I even had my first one. He's like, get people's emails. Yeah. Get them to enter into a raffle so you have access to the emails. Because what happens at a bridal expo is about a day, two days, three days after the expo, they will release the whole entire list of emails to every vendor that was there. That's one of their selling points to a vendor is you'll get hundreds of emails afterwards. But you you and I know that like that cold version of like, it was so good to see you at the expo, that person never saw you. What you do have with the people who enter your raffle, you spoke to them. They were in front of you. They saw your booth. You have a warm call to make there instead of cold calling all of these hundreds of couples that came to this that never even saw your booth or maybe did and didn't stop by for a reason. So if you can do a raffle for 10% off of a package, make it worth their while. Don't be like, uh, you know, $5 off of a photo album. That's not enough. No. So make it 10% off, 20% off. And here's what I do. I do... Uh, enter to win 20% off of a package. They all fill out the little raffle sheets. That night I go home and I type up all of the email addresses. And the next day I send out an email before they send out the mass list. Mm -hmm. And what happens here is one person gets 20% off and the rest of them get a consolation prize of 10% off. Mm. So everyone's been incentivized to book with us. And these are so much better leads because they actually physically spoke with me. So I would say literature is great. Having something to warm up the situation is great. And having a raffle that gives you the power to directly access their information before the expo releases the emails is of the utmost importance because you are not going to get any leads if you just shoot your shot on everybody. But if you can really warm up and go strategically to the people that specifically came by and got so excited they entered your giveaway, that's where you're going to get some more leads. And that's what's going to be a lot more tangible. We interrupt this podcast because there is something extremely special that I want to share with you guys. I don't know about you, but for the last who knows how many years, I've been using a Frankenstein Googled copied and pasted contract. And while that is extremely embarrassing to admit to all of our listeners, I know that there are people out there who feel the same as I do. And there were a couple things that kept me from actually getting an attorney drafted contract. Actually, no, there was one thing. It was so expensive and it seemed so out of reach. That's when I learned about Legally Set. You see, Coonbee with Legally Set has created industry-specific 
contracts for people like you and me working in the wedding industry. They're easy to customize. They're drafted by an actual attorney and not Google. Can you imagine that? And last but not least, they are so extremely affordable. So if you were like me and maybe using a less than appropriate and or legal contract, it's time to step up your game. You have no more excuses. Head on over to theunionpodcast.com slash legally set to check them out. And then the third one is what are things that you would want to tell slash talk about with a potential client? Honestly, I would just say go over your package sheet, especially in the beginning when you don't really know what's happening and you don't really know how to sell yourself. That's where that package, that rate sheet that I was talking about that you can point to, that's a great thing to do. Oftentimes they will ask questions. Oftentimes they will prompt the conversation and you can just kind of use active listening and go where the where their questions lead. But for this particular one, yeah, I would say you want to let them know your package rates. You want to let them know, answer any pertinent questions, but you also want them to see your heart and your personality because they will book you because of who you are more so than they will book you because of what you charge. So if they stopped, if they stayed in conversation with you, if they seemed engaged, there's a chance that they might book you whether or not they like your price point. Yeah. It's an emotional purchase. So having the connection and also with a wedding planner or I'd say photographer, efficient, certain roles like that, it really is a personality thing for the couple. I mean, if they're being smart about it, because if you have a personality that rubs in the wrong way, it's going to make their wedding day a lot more difficult. So just keep that in mind. And also if you are vibing with the couple and you're like, Oh my gosh, I really love this couple and would love to work with them. Like being able to express that to them in a sincere way. And that follow-up email, I think is smart too. And just saying like, Hey, I really felt like we connected. I would be so honored to work with you. You know, something like that, where it is genuine, how you would express that uh, is something that most of the vendors at these events do not do. They just send a mass email saying, Oh, when we talked, uh, it was great. And it's something that they didn't even talk to these people. And then it's just really awkward and clearly spammy. Yes. And honestly, I would, after they would leave my booth, I would pull their raffle ticket out and write something on it. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, cause there were some that I was like, nope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get that they're interested and that excites me very much that someone's interested, but I am not interested in being their planner. And if you heard the episode where we went over like the scathing email that I received, I, I learned from that moment that I'm not going to be the best personality for all personalities. So if I found someone who was overly aggressive in their questions and extremely detail oriented and really wanted to hammer out all the details, get all the information, I, I would put a little X on there. So I was like that. I cannot sign up for 12 months of that. Ooh. I am not the right planner for them. Yeah. Oh, I had a great conversation with somebody and we just really bantered and it was fun. It was back and forth. Then I would pull it out and put a little heart on it. Mm-hmm. I would That's be like, smart. this is someone who I cannot wait to work with. So that way, when I'm putting everything together, I don't even put in the emails with a little X on them. Yeah. I don't just skip it. Yep. Just totally skip it. And at that point, it just really, that, that means that I'm intentionally reaching out and making connections with the people that actually made connections with me already. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's super smart. And just be authentic, be sincere, lean into what is really a good fit for you. When we talk about something like an ideal client, Mm -hmm. it has a lot more in my mind to do with personality and their expectations of you than it does style or aesthetic that matters. And obviously if they're wanting something that's completely out of your wheelhouse and you have no contacts or ideas of how to help them develop something that works 
for their wants and needs. Yeah, it's probably not great, but it's more if the personalities jive and if their expectations of what they need from a wedding planner or a wedding service provider of any type align with what you do. Um, And so those would be the things to really pay attention for. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think so often we talk about ideal client avatars or like our perfect client, what they would look like, what their style would look like, what their budget would be. And frankly, I would so much rather work with a a $15,000 budget with a couple I really vibe with than a $50,000 budget with a couple I can't stand. And that's just the fact that that's not being cruel. That's just being honest. If if I can't stand them, maybe they can't stand me and maybe we're not going to be a good fit. So I think that's important to keep in mind. Yeah, I like that point. Yeah. To me, it's, it's always more to do with the working relationship. And honestly, you're in charge of your own journey here. You own your own business. So pick a journey that's going to be fun. Don't, yes. don't go on this journey with some people who are going to drive you nuts. There no. are of couples out there. So that is my word of wisdom from the, from the, uh, you know, behind the table at that expo is you make sure if you're already annoyed by the person, it's just not going to be worth You it. write an X on that raffle ticket and you move on, sis. Okay, this on. next question I know you are going to be excited about. How do you get listed onto WeddingWire, The Knot, Zola, etc.? And once listed, how do we gain traction? Take it away, Heather. Oh, well, um, <laughs> yeah. Those wouldn't be the places I'd go. I do you can go and sign up with them and they will start calling you and going, um, which marketing package do you want? And you'll get hounded by their sales team. So yeah, yeah, go to their website and you can sign up if you want. And it's not a bad thing to have a presence on these sites for the fact that you can secure your reviews there. And it feels like a, a trusted website for your potential clients to find you on for that social proof sort of situation. But as far as actually marketing on them, it's really hard to do you guys to actually organically build up a following there. I would say it's impossible. You cannot organically build up a following there. No, because you pay if for you, it. you look on that site, you're going to see pages and pages of preferred ads. It's like sponsored posts basically. So it's a pay to play situation. If you're not going to pay for ads with them, you're not going to even exist unless the person literally skips ahead to like page 50 in the search. I don't, I don't right. know if it's really page 50, but it's far down there. And so you're going to be buried. The, the use of it is more to have it linked to your website or to use it as a place to refer folks to look just to see the reviews that are there. Yes. Um, and I believe both of them still allow you to have the page for free for the reviews. At a point in the last year, there was a thing where you had to pay. And I don't know if they got rid of it because it probably- I think they, they got rid of it. Yeah. Because yeah. it caused like a riot in the industry of people being like, you're deleting all my reviews if I don't pay, which is basically what was happening. If you weren't going to pay right. for a package, they were going to just go, oh, your page doesn't exist anymore. And there were vendors who had hundreds and hundreds of reviews that had been around for years on their site and just had never bought a marketing package. And they were like, oh, yep, you're going to be gone. So yeah. That kind of shows the heart behind the business though, right there. That's pretty cold. Um, And it it wouldn't be the place I'd market, but I think there's a lot of other ways to do your marketing that are more efficient and you're going to get better leads. And I think you can talk to that point. Well, I've paid. I've paid. Like, all right, I'm taking the plunge. I've taken those stupid calls from their Mm -hmm. team and been on the phone for an obscene amount of time and then trying to tell them no when you're ready to be done with your partnership with them. is awful, awful. Oh, I can't. I, it's like those sales calls are 
the worst and they sick their dogs on you afterwards and like try to bring you back, you know, I've paid, I've paid hundreds of dollars and I never, I guarantee you. And I say this with full assurity, I did not have a single client come all the way through and book me. And you've heard my sales calls here on this platform before. When I get on a sales call, I have such a high booking rate. I know that I'm good at selling what we do. I can see that by the analytics, knowing the behind the scenes of my business. So to know that either they're not communicating what I do well, or they're not promoting me like they said they were going to promote me. I did not get for a full year. I did not get a single solid lead from them that turned into an actual booking. Hundreds of dollars wasted. Wasted. It didn't matter what they said. I got nothing out of it. So I get super passionate when people are like, well, what if we pay for it? I'm like, nope, don't do it. Don't do it. Which is why we then turn to doing social media stuff, which is why then I turn to YouTube because people do business with people. People want to book me because they've watched my videos. They know the sound of my voice. You guys are probably here because you at one point or another may have seen one of my videos. I don't know. That might be presumptuous, but it is probably true. It's probably true. So no one's people- watching my videos. <laughs> there aren't videos of me. Don't even try to find There are not videos of Heather on the internet. <laughs> um, they're hidden for a good reason, probably. It's probably best for everyone. It's probably. I, I told her, I was like, <laughs> little aside, I was like, hey, Heather, we should probably keep the video for our podcast eventually because then we can use them for more marketing opportunities. And she was mm. like, uh. Mm. <laughs> I have to be dressed. I'd, ha- I'd feel obligated to put like makeup on and... <laughs> It's really going to cramp my style, you guys. Like this COVID lifestyle of not really leaving my house suits me. Yeah. It's like we've forgotten pants altogether. What are um, those? Butter pants. All to say the best kind of marketing that you can do is the kind of marketing that you're in control of. Yeah, absolutely. And the kind of, the kind of marketing, marketing that shows who you are. So if that means that you're doing quotes on your Instagram page, great. If that means you're jumping on Instagram stories and acting like a buffoon, great. If that means you're making YouTube videos, great. Those are the audiences that are in your pocket because of who you are, not because you had a good thumbnail photo on a website that you paid $800 to be on. Yeah. I'm going to refer people back to Max's episode, which I think is episode one. So you're going to go way, way, way back. And he has a Facebook group for wedding pros and literally has a free course in that group all about running a Facebook ads campaign that is for a giveaway and it crushes. It's angled towards wedding photographers in that group specifically, but any vendor could use this. And it literally is like a one-time promotion over just a a small amount of time, maybe a few weeks that you're offering that you're going to give away one full wedding package. But in that time, you're getting a ton of leads in your targeted area for the coming year. And just doing that campaign, I know for most of the folks in that group, it books up their whole year. Like they don't do a lot of other... Wow. They do obviously have social media accounts and they still have to have a presence, but it is like such a successful pro- like process that yeah. they're booked up. Yeah. That's nuts. I actually, I mean, I knew obviously since we interviewed Max, how great this was, but that's, I would highly recommend, I mean, it's going to take a little bit more effort. No one's going to do this stuff for you. Like even if you pay a company to do it, they're not going to fully do it or represent you in the best way possible. If you want to do this business, you have to sell yourself. You just have to figure out what's the best platform for that. So I would, in all honesty, have a page on those websites where you can hold reviews. And like Heather said, you have social proof. Look, we exist. Look, people like us. Here are our reviews. Thank you very much. 
but where you don't have to pay money to be there. Because I can tell you firsthand from my experience and from multiple other vendors' experiences, fruitless. It's absolutely fruitless. And I can say that with full assurity. Yeah. And I mean, it's really all about cost of acquisition for your clients. And this is part of the stuff that I talk about to my, my couples is if you're going and hiring your vendors off those sort of sites, that's fine. But you have to understand if they paid a thousand dollars and got one client, they have to now tack that on to the cost for you because they spent that much for you to come in the door. So if you as the vendor can find a way to acquire your clients for $50, for $100 by doing some really good marketing on Instagram, maybe it's even free or maybe you know you come guest on a cool podcast and you get a bunch hey. of attention <laughs> or perhaps you do the ads thing and whatever it is, if you find a way to keep that cost down, it lowers the amount that it's costing per client, which means you get more money in your pocket because you can charge the same as the person who is going and giving a grand per client to wedding wire. And instead you get to keep most of that for yourself or give a discount, like do it however you want. I'm not going to tell you how to set your prices. Yeah. I'm not your mom. Yeah. You do what, what feels right to you. But the ultimate thing is you're not giving away a portion of your money to this company for essentially not doing anything. Yeah. I, I, we are very clearly passionate about this topic. That's one of the reasons why with the mastermind and all of the wedding planners that we're currently coaching through the starting of their business and getting everything going, which we do have a wait list for that going right now. If you guys are interested, I think that would be a very powerful tool. If you've been hanging out in the wings right now, thinking about starting a wedding planning business, the, the feedback that we're getting on the mastermind is insane. It's so cool. But that's why with the mastermind, we've talked about this with them before, and we've actually created a list called, because um, it's the union mastermind for the union podcast, we've created the union network where it's oh yeah wedding planners who have been through this process, who've been through this training of sorts with me, where it's like, no, there's, you've been validated. Like you, you have done an incredible experience. You've put in the work, you've earned your spot on this list. You're not chucking $3,000 and hoping to be at the top of the list you are here because we believe in what you're doing. So that's how passionate that we are, that we literally came up with a list that like feels like the opposite of what these large yeah. websites are doing because, and people are actually getting bookings off them now, which is nice. Oh yeah. Well, because this is the thing, if you're on that union network list, you guys, I don't know if you know this, but Jamie's like pretty popular on YouTube. Stop it. <laughs> and I'll, I'll toot my own horn here. I helped her set up an email list. And uh, <laughs> you know how many people are on her email list right now? I don't even know. She knows. It's almost 15,000 people. <gasps> Wait, are you serious? Yeah, we're close to 15,000 now. So oh my gosh. you guys, there are a lot of couples on that list. I'd say it's like 98% people who are engaged. So it's crazy. So what? if you're going through our mastermind and then you're on this list of people who Jamie personally helped set their business up and coach them through it. Those are validated resources that all those couples on this huge email list get the contact info for. And we say, Hey, if you can't book Jamie herself, this is the group of top-notch wedding planners to talk to. And yeah, bookings are happening. I'm not surprised at all. And I'm really excited about it for these new um, wedding planners that we're working with. Yeah. I just think it's going to be, this is like the stuff. Okay. We're, we're breaking scripts. <laughs> Heather and I have wanted to create 
a new wave of how this stuff is handled. Like we, I think this is what we bonded on over a year ago of just being like, we don't like the way things are traditionally done. We recognize that there is a portion of the of couples getting married that are not seen by the wedding industry. We want to serve them. We recognize that there are vendors who are struggling to find their audience and they're paying lots of money to get there. And there's so much of this that we're like, we could do this different and we could do it better. So welcome to like the fulfillment of that dream that we talked about literally mm-hmm. before we even knew each other really well at all. Yeah. Like the first time we spoke with one another, these are the things we were talking about. And so to see all this come forward and see all, to all, all this come to fruition is very rewarding. And it makes us so excited to share this with you guys because we want to give you another option. We want to make it so you're getting real tangible leads where you're actually connecting with clients. I mean, this is our battle cry. This is what we're Mm -hmm. like, we're all about. That's why we do this podcast. So yeah, totally breaking script for a minute, but like, this is, I'm having a moment, Heather. This is what we've always dreamed of. It is. It is. And because for on, on the side of the couples, like this isn't just a slap together list of people who are willing to pay money. It's people who are actually working with you, going through a program, being taught, how to navigate this, and we can feel confidence in them doing a good job for these folks. So on both sides, we're trying to make sure they're getting a really quality experience and not just go, anyone that pays us money will list you on this website and you'll be buried in there with 5,000 people. Um, So, I mean, over time, I imagine we'll hit a point where we have a problem of too many wedding pros wanting to work with us. <laughs> I can dream that that happens. I long for that day. Yeah. And then we'll have to figure out a system, but you know, we'll get to that when we get to that. Yeah. Um, and for now, it's just really exciting to be able to provide a resource that helps these couples, that helps these wedding pros and really um, bridges that gap that was a, a big problem we saw in this industry. Yeah. I feel like there's a difference between a lot of the big box, I'm using finger quotes, the big box wedding groups, there's no face. Yeah. There's, you may hear the heart or the voice behind some of it because you can tell from their writing who wrote it before you even mm-hmm. see the signature at the bottom, but there isn't a face. And so I think what we really want to do is we want to bring some heart and some face to a lot of this. So Jamie's face, my, not, my face. not Heather's, no videos of Heather, no pictures, please. No paparazzi. I'm going to start wearing like this. <laughs> what is that lady? Sia? Oh yeah. <laughs> With like the hair in front of my face. <laughs> That'll be me. No one needs to know what I look like. <laughs> Just picture her with like that one time where she wore a giant bow on her head. Exactly. Oh, oh that's I would that would be the day that we record and keep the video. Okay, You'd be like, perfect. I'll look into that wig. Thank you. Let's do one more question <laughs> to wrap it up. Okay, perfect. For everyone who's listening and made it through like our very passionate last six and a half minutes, thank you for still being here. Let's, you let's are leave awesome. the parting with one more question. Do I need to intern for someone before jumping in and any recommendations on securing an internship? Mm, 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 mm. I, I don't, I don't like this internship thing. I mean, I think it can be helpful. It can be helpful. I don't think it's necessary, but I'm also coming from the perspective of, I was and planning events since middle school, those dances. I was, I was in there. I was on every committee for planning things since literally like there were things to be planned. Okay. So uh, for me personally, I wouldn't have seen much use in it because I kind of already had, had it in my mind how I planned things. Now, if you have never planned events, have never been on committees, have never done those sort of things. Sure. This could be helpful. I mean, and Maybe I sound like a jerk right now. I'm saying this, but literally like one of the events I planned in college had, I think we had 4,000 people attend and it was a 26 hour dance-a-thon and had, 
different shifts and food for everyone. Oh, so, I mean, like I planned like big fundraisers where we were that raising physically like, half a million dollars of money for pediatric AIDS research. So we were, I was like into planning things <laughs> before I planned <laughs> weddings. So for me, like the stuff that I did before, it was like a, a downsize to go to weddings. It was like, oh, simple, only a couple hundred people and one meal. It's, oh my right. gosh. So maybe my perspective is warped, but those opportunities are out there. That is to say, like, maybe you don't need to go intern, but maybe you found a, find a foundation who wants help planning a gala or some way to do something a little off brand from weddings, but where you can get in easier because that's the complaint I hear from a lot of these folks is I can't find a place to intern. Yeah. You can find people who need help with events. Yeah. There are tons of those. I'd look at nonprofits. I'd look at schools. I'd look at uh, like universities and stuff, foundations, they would love a free help. I've literally volunteer. never thought of this. This is yeah. genius. So, I mean, like there are, and those are very similar events. Planning a gala, like when I was on the board for a local nonprofit here, we plan galas every year a few times. And it was basically a wedding, but without a couple. And you're doing the dinner, you're doing some toasts, you're doing a big entrance, you're doing, you know, some little special Why are moments. you so fancy? You plan galas. Galas, galas, <laughs> galas or galas. I had help plan a few and you know, it's, it's fun, but th- those are things you can do if you can't find a wedding internship. Yeah. And I also secondary to that, I think, um, catering is a good spot to get into. Yeah. Because timing is very important to caterers. There's a lot of rushing. There's a lot of seeing behind the scenes. Whereas the DJ tends to stay at the DJ booth. A photographer tends to follow the couple around but doesn't see what the kitchen looks like or doesn't see behind the scenes in the same way that a wedding planner does or a wedding coordinator does. I agree. I don't think you need to intern for anybody. I did one wedding with somebody else. That's it. And I immediately was like, nope, 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 nope. There, I had a whole list of things that I did not want to do. Yeah. So that part was powerful. That part was helpful. I don't regret doing that, but I didn't have a formal with anybody. I didn't train under anybody because like, like Heather said, I, I already planned events. Yeah. Uh, most of mine was church focused and high school ministry. I was, I was already planning stuff. So it's just about learning the nuances of weddings themselves. My guess is if you're here, if you want to be a wedding planner, you've already planned events. You're not new. No one, no one goes, wedding planning sounds fun, who has not planned an event before and had that high afterwards. Yes. You know exactly where I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Where you're like, oh my gosh, it was the best thing ever. And, and, and for me, when I come home from an event, I can't sleep for a little bit because I'm like, yes. it was so great. For sure. So I would, yeah, I would go as far to say like, that's, you've done this before. It's your insecurities and your lack of confidence that makes you want to intern for somebody. I'm not frowning on internships. I think they can Mm -hmm. be highly effective, but they're very, very hard to find, which is why we offered the whole union mastermind, honestly, because people couldn't be getting internships. So that's why we started that. Cause it's like, well, let's just get you trained and you could do it on your own. Well, yes, that and the mentorships were focusing a lot more on actual business tactical stuff versus- Honestly, you guys, you go and intern, you, you might end up folding napkins. Like I can't yes. guarantee you're going to do anything useful interning for another wedding planner because the standards of what they require or provide to you, it was going to vary. And a lot of times people look at interns as like just grunt labor to fill in and do something, which is unfortunate because as an intern, you should be learning something from it. Like the point is you're unpaid labor because you are learning something important that you couldn't learn somewhere else. And some business people don't provide that part of it. So, um, I'd be cautious and I really don't like the fact that it's free labor 
like it's okay. It's fine if it's a few times, but I think sometimes people get caught on the wheel of like they're an intern and they're an intern for a really long time. And it's like maybe a self-worth issue on their end where they are just like, okay, I'm just an intern forever. And I'm like, no, get that money. You deserve it. You're doing a great job. You're providing value. So that's why we don't bring on interns. Like I don't have, I will bring them on for events on an event by event basis. And that's only if they, like they might happen to be the third person. Yeah. To be there and to learn and maybe they're yes. wanting to see, should I get into this field? But it shouldn't be more than that. It shouldn't be something extensive. And if it is, like you should be a paid intern. Like if yeah. you can, and then that's gonna be hard to find. And I'm gonna be honest, that's probably not what you're gonna normally run into. But personally, I think you deserve it. You should you're providing value. And even if you're learning from it, you learn from every job you do. Yeah. So it's sometimes a, a weird thing this industry has that we think free labor should be available. But yeah. um, I would say you're better off to look at a mentorship to like what we have or with a local planner who can maybe help guide you. You might run into some resistance that some don't want to share their insider information. Yeah. We're just such we don't bull hockey. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. just like, listen, you're going to learn it one way or another. I would rather have fair, equal, kind competition, which by the way, we're huge fans of community over competition. But if we're going to view it in the lens of competition, like I would rather you be really good at your job um, instead of someone who's mean, petty, maybe doesn't run their business well, and then makes all wedding planners look bad. That's kind yeah. of my mentality in general. So you also, you, you will find that there, there still is that like pettiness, discomfort. It is hard to find an internship. The likelihood of you finding something, especially in the week of this last year when not a lot of events are happening, you're probably not going to find something. So real talk, sis, if you want to do this, just do it. Yeah. Just do Get it. Out just- there start doing it. Like, let this be the impetus for you right now. This podcast episode, it's like the end of a church sermon when they're like calling people forward to be baptized. You know, this is what we're doing it right now. (laughs) We're going to church y'all. If you've been holding out because you think you have to have an internship, both of us are experienced professional wedding planners that did not have an internship. Do it. Get out there. If you want to sign up for the waitlist for the mastermind, we highly recommend going through that we're so excited about what this program is and we know it's going to be a massive, massive tool for so many of you. So stop sitting on the sidelines of your dreams and like just get in there. Woo, that was a good line. Wait. Yes, I love it. <laughs> I love it and I agree. Yeah, if you want to get signed up for that, the best thing you can do is be on our email list. It's theunionpodcast.com. You'll see a spot there. You can sign up on the email list and that's where we will alert people first that mm-hmm. the mastermind is open again. The first wave of people are about, oh, halfway, two thirds of the way through the process at this point. And the feedback is overwhelmingly good. So it's super exciting and so rewarding to see people getting leads already. So much good coming from it. So we're excited to to be able to offer that and do it again. And Jamie, of course, is like Professor Jamie on the call. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I told them early on in the mentorship, I was like, guys, however you know this, but I always wanted to be a professor. So this is like giving me professor vibes hard right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very fun yeah, um, it's and, and just like so much knowledge packed in there. So I highly recommend it. Obviously, I'm a fan, but uh, I think you guys would be too. So check it out. Otherwise, we're going to do another of these Q&A sessions, I think, in the future. So watch out for that. And we hope you guys enjoyed learning a little bit from us today. You've just walked down the aisle of today's episode of the Union Podcast. Thank you for celebrating today's show with us. We hope that you've found a little gem of wedding wisdom from this episode. 
please let us know your feedback by sharing a screenshot of this episode on Instagram. Be sure to tag at Union Podcast so we can hear your voices. Let us know what topics you'd love to hear about on future episodes. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Until next time, stay lovely, wedding friends.